0: Act Two of Ion by Thomas Noon Talford. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Two, Scene One
1: A Terrace of the Palace.
0: Adastris, Crithes, and guards from the terrace centre
1: the air breathes freshly after a long night of glorious reverie i'll walk awhile it blows across the
0: town dost thou not fear it bear infection with it Fear?
1: dost talk of fear to me i deemed even thy poor thoughts had better scanned their master prithee tell me in what act word or look since i have borne thy converse here Hast thou discerned such baseness as makes thee bold to prate to me of fear? My liege,
0: of human might, all know thee fearless. But may not heroes shun the elements, when sickness taints them? Let them blast me
1: now. I stir not, tremble not. These massive walls, whose date are all's tradition, Gird the home of a great race of kings, Along whose line the eager mind lives aching through the darkness of ages else unstoried, till its shapes of armoured sovereign spread to godlike port, and, frowning in the uncertain dawn of time, strike awe as powers who ruled an elder world in mute obedience. I, sad heritor of all their glories, feel our doom is nigh, and I will meet it as befits their fame, nor will i vary my selected path the breast of my soul's edge nor check a wish if such unkingly yielding might avert it thou art ever royal in thy thoughts no more i would be private exit quite with guards right grovelling parasite why should i waste these fate environed hours and pledge my great defiance to despair with flatterers such as thou as if my joys required the pale reflections cast by slaves in mirrored mockery round my throne or lacked the aid of reptile sympathies to stream through fate's black pageantry let weakness seek companionship i'll henceforth feast alone enter a soldier right
2: my liege forgive me
1: well speak out at once thy business and retire
2: i have no part in the presumptuous message that i bear
1: tell it or go there is no time to waste on idle terrors
2: thus it is my lord as we were burnishing our arms a man entered the court and when we saw him first was tending towards the palace in amaze we hailed the rash intruder still he walked unheeding onward till the western gate barred further course then turning he besought our startled band to herald him to thee that he might urge a message which the sages had charged him to deliver <laughs>
1: the greybeards who mid the altars of the gods conspire to cast the image of supernal power from earth its shadow consecrates what sage is so resolved to play the orator that he would die for it
2: he is but a youth yet urged his prayer with sad constancy which could not be denied
1: most bravely planned sedition worthy of the reverend host of sophist traitors brave to scatter fancies of discontent amid sturdy artisans whose honest sinews they direct unseen and make their proxies in the work of peril tis fit when burning to insult their king and warned the pleasure must be bought with life their valour send a boy to speak their wisdom thou know'st my last decree tell this rash youth the danger he incurs then let him pass and the king more gentle than his masters
2: we have already told him of the fate which waits his daring courteously he thanked us but with still solemn aspect urged his suit
1: tell him once more if he persists he dies then if he will admit him should he hold his purpose order cry to conduct him and see the headsman instantly prepared to do his office exit a soldier so resolved so young, twere pity he should fall. Yet he must fall, or the great sceptre which has swayed the fears of ages will become a common staff for youth to wield or age to rest upon, and despoiled of all its virtues. He must fall, else they who prompt the insult will grow bold, and with their pestilent vaundings through the city raise the low fog of murky discontent which now creeps harmless through its marshy birthplace to veil my setting glories he is warned and if he cross yon threshold he
0: shall die Into crythes and ion write the king stranger
1: i bid thee welcome we are about to tread the same dark passage thou almost on the instant to crythes Is the sword of justice sharpened and the headsman ready? Thou mayest behold them plainly in the court. Even
0: now the solemn soldiers line the ground. The steel gleams on the altar, and the slave disrobes himself for duty. Address to Ion. Dost
1: thou see them? I do. By heaven, he does not change. If even now thou wilt depart and leave thy traitorous thoughts unspoken, thou art free.
3: I thank thee for thy offer but I stand before thee for the lives of thousands, rich in all that makes life precious to the brave, who perish not alone, but in their fall break the far-spreading tendrils that they feed, and leave them nurtureless. If thou wilt hear me for them, I am content to speak no more.
1: Thou hast thy wish, then. Criades, till yon dire casts its thin shadow on the approaching hour i hear this gallant traitor on the instant come without word and lead him to his doom now leave us what alone yes slave alone he is no assassin exit quite these right tell me who thou art what generous source owns that heroic blood which holds its course thus bravely what great wars have nursed the courage that can look on death certain and speedy death with placid eye
3: i am a simple youth who never bore the weight of armor who may not boast of noble birth or valor of his own deem not the powers which nerve me thus to speak in thy great presence and have made my heart upon the verge of bloody death as calm as equal in its beatings as when sleep approached me nestling from the sportive toils of thoughtless childhood and celestial dreams began to glimmer through the deepening shadows of soft oblivion to belong to me these are the strengths of heaven to thee they speak bid thee to hearken to thy people's cry or warn thee that thy hour must shortly come
1: i know it must so mayst thou spare thy warnings the envious gods in me have doomed a race whose glory stream from the same cloud girt founts whence their own dawned upon the infant world and i shall sit on my ancestral throne to meet their vengeance but till then i rule as i have ever ruled and thou wilt feel
3: i will not further urge thy safety to thee it may be as thou sayest too late nor seek to make thee tremble at the gathering curse which shall burst forth in mockery at thy fall but thou art gifted with a nobler sense i know thou art my sovereign since a pain endured by myriad argives in whose souls and in whose fathers souls thou and thy fathers have kept their cherished state whose heart still the living fibres of thy rooted power quiver with agonies thy crimes have drawn from heavenly justice on them
1: how my crimes
3: yes tis the eternal law that where guilt is sorrow shall answer it and thou hast not a poor man's privilege to bear it alone or in the narrow circle of his kinsmen the penalties of evil, for in thine a nation fate lies circled. King Adrastus, steeled as thy heart is with the usages of pomp and power, a few short summers since thou wert a child and canst not be relentless. Oh, if a maternal love embraced thee then, think of the mothers who, with eyes unwet, glare o'er their perishing children hast thou shared the glow of a first friendship which is born midst the rude sports of boyhood think of youth smitten amidst its playthings let the spirit of thine own innocent childhood whisper pity
1: in every word thou dost but steal my soul my youth was blasted parents brother kin all that should people infancy with joy, conspired to poison mine, despoiled my life of innocence and hope, all but the sword and sceptre. Dost thou wonder at me now?
3: I knew that we should pity.
1: Pity? Dare to speak that word again, and torture waits thee. I am yet king of Argos. Well, go on. Thy time is short, and I am pledged to hear
3: if thou hast ever loved
1: beware beware
3: thou hast i see thou hast thou art not marble and thou shalt hear me think upon the time when the clear depths of thy yet lucid soul were ruffled with the troublings of strange joy as of some unseen visitant from heaven touched the calm lake and wreathed its images in sparkling waves recall the dallying hope that on the margin of assurance trembled as loath to lose in certainty too blessed its happy being taste in thought again of stolen sweetness those evening walks when pansied turf was heir to winged feet and circling forest by ethereal touch enchanted wore the livery of the sky as if to melt in golden light shapes of one heavenly vision and thy heart enlarged by its new sympathy with one grew bountiful to all
1: that tone that tone whence came it from thy lips it cannot be the long, hushed music of the only voice that ever spake unbought affection to me and waked my soul to blessing. O oh, sweet hours of golden joy, ye come. Your glories break through my pavilion spirit's sable folds. Roll on, roll on. Stranger, thou dost enforce me to speak of things unbreathed by lip of mine to human ear. But listen
3: as a child
1: again. That voice again. Thou hast seen me moved as never mortal saw me by a tone in which some light breeze, enamoured of the sound, hath wafted through the woods, till thy young voice caught it to rive and melt me. At my birth, the city, which expectant of its prince lay hushed, broke out in clamorous ecstasies. Yet in that moment, while the uplifted cups foamed with the choicest product of the sun, and welcome thundered from a thousand throats, my doom was sealed from the hearth's vacant space in the dark chamber where my mother lay faint with a sense of pain-bought happiness came forth in heart-appalling tone these words of me the nursling woe unto the babe against the life which now begins shall life lighted from thence be armed and both soon quenched end this great line in sorrow ere i grew of years to know myself a thing accursed a second son was born to steal the love which fate had else scarce rivalled he became my parents hope the darling of the crew who lived upon their smiles and thought it flattery to trace in every foible of my youth a prince's youth the workings of the curse my very mother jove i cannot bear to speak it now looked freezingly upon me
3: but thy brother
1: died thou hast heard the lie the common lie that every peasant tells of me his master that i slew the boy Tis false one summer's eve below a crag which in his wilful mood he strove to climb he lay a mangled corpse. the very slaves whose cruelty had shut him from my heart now coined their own injustice into proofs to brand me as his murderer.
3: Did they dare accuse thee?
1: Not in open speech. They felt I should have seized the miscreant by the throat, and crushed the lie half spoken with the life of the base speaker. But the lie looked out from the stolen gaze of coward eyes, which shrank when mine have met them, murmured through the crowd that at the sacrifice or feast or game stood distant from me burnt into my soul when i beheld it in my father's shudder
3: didst not declare thy innocence
1: to whom to parents who could doubt me to the ring of grave impostors or their shallow sons who should have studied to prevent my wish before it grew to language hailed my choice to service as a prize to wrestle for and whose reluctant courtesy i bore pale with proud anger till from lips compressed the blood has started to the common herd the vassals of our ancient house the mass of bones and muscles framed to till the soil a few brief years then rot unnamed beneath it or decked for slaughter at their master's call to smite and to be smitten and lie crushed in heaps to swell his glory or his shame answer to them <laughs> no though my heart had burst as it was nigh to bursting to the mountains i fled and on their pinnacles of snow breasted the icy wind and hoped to cool my spirit's fever struggled with the yoke in search of weariness and learned to rive its stubborn bows till limbs once lightly strung might mate in cordage with its infant stems or on the sea-beat rock tore off the vest which burnt upon my bosom, and to air headlong committed clove the waters, a depth which plummet never sounded, but in Mm. vain.
3: Yet succor came to thee.
1: A blessed one, which the strange magic of thy voice revives, and thus unlocks my soul. My rapid steps were in a wood-encircled valley, stayed by the bright vision of a maid, whose face most lovely more than loveliness revealed in touch of patient grief which dearer seemed than happiness to spirits seared like mine with feeble hands she strove to lay in earth the body of her aged sire whose death left her alone i aided her sad work and soon two lonely ones by holy rites became one happy being days weeks months in stream-like unity flowed silent by us in our delightful nest my father's spies slaves whom i nod should have consigned to stripes or the swift fouchon tracked our sylvan home just as my bosom knew its second joy in spite of fortune i embraced a son
3: urged by thy trembling parents to avert that dreadful prophecy
1: Fools. Did they deem its worst accomplishment could match the ill which they wrought on me? It had left unharmed a thousand ecstasies of passioned years, which, tasted once, live ever, and disdain fate's iron grapple. Could I now behold that son, with a knife uplifted at my heart, a moment ere my lifeblood followed it, I would embrace him with my dying eyes and pardon destiny. While jocund smiles wreathed on the infant's face as if sweet spirits suggested pleasant fancies to his soul, the ruffians broke upon us, seized the child, dashed through the thicket to the beat rock neath which the deep wave head is. I stood still as stricken into stone. I heard him cry, pressed by the rudeness of the murderer's gripe, severer ill unfearing. In the splash of waters that shall cover him for ever, and could not stir to save him.
3: And the mother?
1: She spake no word, but clasped me in her arms and lay her down to die. A lingering gaze of love she fixed on me. None other loved, and so passed hence. By Jupiter her look her dying patience glimmers in thy face she lives again she looks upon me now this magic and bear with me
0: i am childish enter and guards write
1: why art thou here the dial points the hour dost thou not see that horrid purpose past hast thou no heart no sense. Scarce half an hour hath flown since the command on which I wait. Scarce half an hour. Years, years have rolled since then. Begone, remove that pageantry of death; it blasts my sight. And hearken, touch a hair of this brave youth, or look on him as now with thy cold headsman's eye, and yonder band shall not expect a fearful show in vain. Hence, without word exit crathes right. what wouldst thou have me do
3: let thy awakened heart speak its own language convene thy sages frankly nobly meet them explore with them the pleasure of the gods and whatsoe'er the sacrifice perform it
4: well
1: i will seek their presence in an hour go summon them young hero hold no word of the strange passion thou hast witnessed here.
3: Distrust me not yet powers, I thank thee.
1: Exit right yet stay. He's gone. His spell is on me yet. What have I promised him? To meet the men who from my living head would strip the crown and sit in judgment on me I must do it, yet shall my band be ready to o'er all the course of liberal speech and if it rise so as to loudly to offend my ear strike the rash brawler dead what idle dream of long past days had melted me it fades it vanishes i am again a king
0: scene two the interior of the temple same as act one scene one clementhe seated arba attending her
3: look dearest lady the thin smoke aspires in the calm air,
1: As when in happier times it showed the gods propitious. Wilt thou seek thy chamber, Lest thy father and his friends returning Find us hinderers of their counsel? She answers not. She hearkens not. With joy could I believe her, For the first time, sullen. Still, she is rapt.
0: into
5: Aginor. left
1: oh speak to my sweet mistress happily thy voice may rouse her
5: dear clemanthe hope dance in every omen we shall hail our tranquil hours again
0: enter cleon timocles
6: another's left clemanthe
5: here how sad how
6: pale
1: her eye is kindling hush hark hear ye not a distant
3: footstep
6: no look round my fairest child Thy friends are near thee,
3: yes, now tis lost, tis on that endless stair, nearer and more distinct tis his tis his he lives, he comes
0: rises and rushes to back of the stage at which Ion appears, centre and returns with her centre
3: Here is your messenger whom heaven has rescued from the tyrant's rage ye sent him forth to brave rejoice old men that ye are guiltless of his blood why pause ye why shout ye not his welcome
6: dearest girl this is no scene for thee go to thy chamber i'll come to thee ere long Excellent Clemonthe and Abra. She is o'erwrought wrought by fear and joy for one whose infant hopes were mingled with her own, even as a brother's. Ion, how shall we do thee honour?
3: None is due, save to the gods, whose gracious influence sways the king ye deemed relentless. He consents to meet ye presently in council. Speed this may be nature's latest rally in him in fitful strength ere it be quenched for ever
6: haste to your seats i will but speak a word with our brave friend and follow though convened in speed let our assembly lack no forms of due observance which to furious power plead with the silent emphasis of years Excellent all but medon and Ion left ion draw near me this eventful day hath shown thy nature's graces circled round with firmness which accomplishes the hero, and it would bring to me but one proud thought that virtues which required not culture's aid shed their first fragrance neath my roof, and there found shelter but it also hath revealed what i may not hide from thee that my child my blithe and innocent girl more fair in soul more delicate in fancy than in mould loves thee with other than a sister's love i should have cared for this i vainly deemed a fellowship in childhood's thousand joys and household memories had nurtured friendship which might hold blameless empire in the soul but in that guise the traitor hath stolen in and the fair citadel is thine
3: tis true i did not think the nursling of thy house could thus disturb its holiest inmates duty with a tale of selfish passion but we met as playmates who might never meet again and the hidden truth flashed forth and showed to each the image of the other's soul in one bright instant
6: be that instant blest which made thee truly ours my son my son tis we should feel uplifted for the seal of greatness is upon thee yet i know that when the gods won by thy virtues draw the veil which now conceals their lofty birthplace thou wilt not spurn the maid who prized them lowly
3: spurn her my father
6: enter tessiphon centre tessiphon and breathless art come to chide me to the council
7: no
6: to bring unwonted joy thy son approaches thank heaven hast spoken with him is he well
7: i strove in vain to reach him for the crowd roused from the untended couch and dismal hearth by the strange visiting of hope press round him but by his head erect and fiery glance i know that he is well and that he bears a message which shall shake the tyrant shouts without see the throng is tending this way now it parts and yields him to thy arms Phocion. left
6: welcome my phocion long waited for in argos how detain now matters not since thou art here in joy hast brought the answer of the gods i have now let Adrastus tremble may
4: we hear it i am sworn first to utter it to him but it is fatal to him say but that ha, huh. tassiphon i marked thee not before
7: how fares thy father ion to phocion
3: do not speak of him
7: overhearing ion not speak of him Dost think there is a moment when common things eclipse the burning thought of him and vengeance has the tyrant sword no phocion that were merciful and brave compared to his base deed yet will i tell it crosses to center to make the flashing of thine eye more deadly and edge thy words that they may rive his heart-strings the last time that adrastus dared to face the sages of the state although my father yielding to nature's mild decay had left all worldly toil and hope he gathered strength in his old seat to speak one word of warning thou knowest how bland with years his wisdom grew and with what phrases steeped in love he sheathed the sharpness of rebuke yet ere his speech was closed the tyrant started from his throne and with his base hand smote him twas his death-stroke the old man tottered home and only once raised his head after thou wert absent yes the royal miscreant lives had i beheld that sacrilege the tyrant had lay dead or i had been torn piecemeal by his minions but i was far away when i returned i found my father on the nearest bench within our door his thinly silvered head supported by wan hands which hid his face and would not be withdrawn no groan no sigh was audible and we might only learn by short convulsive tremblings of his frame that life still flickered in it yet at last by some unearthly inspiration roused he dropped his withered hands and sat erect as in his manhood's glory the free blood flushed crimson through his cheeks his furrowed brow expanded clear and his eyes opening full gleamed with a youthful fire i fell in awe upon my knees before him still he spake not but slowly raised his arm untrembling clenched his hand as if it grasped an airy knife and struck in air my hand was joined with his in nervous grasp my lifted eye met his in steadfast gaze my pressure answered his we knew at once each other's thought a smile of the old sweetness played upon his lips and life forsook him weaponless i flew to seek the tyrant and was driven with scoffs from the proud gates which shelter him he lives and i am here to babble of
4: revenge it comes my friend haste with me to the king
3: even while we speak adrastus meets his counsel there let us seek him should ye find him touched with penitence as happily we may oh give allowance to his softened nature
7: show grace to him dost dare i had forgot thou dost not know how a son loves a father
3: i know enough to feel for thee i know thou hast endured the vilest wrongs that tyranny in the worst frenzy can inflict yet think oh think before the irrevocable deed shuts out all thought how much of power's excess is theirs who raise the idol do we groan beneath the personal force of this rash man who forty summers since hung at the breast a playful weakling who the heat unnerves the north wind pierces the hand of death may in a moment change to clay as vile as that of the scourged slave whose chain it severs no tis our weakness grasping or the shows of outward strength that builds up tyranny and makes it look glorious if we shrink faint-hearted from the reckoning of our span of mortal days we pamper the fond wish for long duration in a line of kings if the rich pageantry of thoughts must fade all unsubstantial as the regal hues of eve which purple them our cunning frailties must robe a living image with their pomp and wreathe a diadem around its brow in which our sunny fantasies may live imperled and gleam in fatal splendour far on after ages we must look within for that which makes us slaves on sympathies which find no kindred objects in the plane of common life affections that aspire in air too thin and fancies dewy film floating for rest for even such delicate threads gathered by fate's engrossing hand supply the eternal spindle whence she weaves the bond of cable strength in which our nature struggles
7: go talk to others if thou wilt to me all argument say
6: that of steel is idle no more let's to the council there my son tell thy great message nobly and for thee poor orphaned youth be sure the gods are just
0: excellent left scene three the great square of the city adastris seated on a throne aginor timocles cleon and others seated as
1: counsellors soldiers line the stage at a distance upon your summons
5: sages i am here your king attends to know your pleasure speak it and canst thou ask if the heart dead within thee receives no impress of this awful time art thou of sense forsaken are thine ears so charmed by strains of slavish minstrelsy that the dull groan and frenzy bondage shriek pass them unheard to heaven or are thine eyes so conversant with the prodigies of grief they cease to dazzle at them art thou armed against wonder while in all things nature turns to dreadful contraries while youth's full cheek is shrivelled into furrows of sad years and neath its glossy curls untinged by care looks out a keen anatomy while age is stung by feverish torture for an hour into use strength while fragile womanhood starts into frightful courage all unlike the gentle strength its gentle weakness feeds to make affliction beautiful and stalks abroad a tearless, and unshuddering thing while childhood in its orphan freedom blithe finds in the shapes of wretchedness which seem grotesque to its unsaddened vision cause for dreadful mirth that shortly shall be hushed in never-broken silence and while love immortal through all change makes ghastly death its idol and with furious passion digs amid sepulchral images for gods to cheat its fancy with do sights like these glare through the realm thou shouldst be parried to and canst thou find the voice to ask our pleasure cease babbler wherefore
1: would ye stun my ears with vain recital of the griefs i know and cannot heal will treason turn aside the shafts of fate or medicine nature's ills i have no skill in pharmacy nor power to sway the
5: elements thou hast the power to cast thyself upon the earth with us in penitential shame or if this power hath left a heart made weak by luxury and hard by pride thou hast at least the power to cease the mockery of thy frantic revels i have yet power to punish insult look i use it
1: not Agenor. fate may dash my sceptre from me but shall not command my will to hold it with a feebler grasp nay if few hours of empire yet are mine they shall be coloured with a sterner pride and peopled with more lustrous joys than flushed in the serene procession of its greatness which looked perpetual as the flowing course of human things Have you beheld a pine that clasped the mountain-summit with a root as firm as its rough marble, and apart from the huge shade of undistinguished trees, lifted its head as in delight to share the evening glories of the sky, and taste the wanton dalliance of the heavenly breeze that no ignoble vapour from the vale could mingle with, smit by the flaming marl, and lighted for destruction, how it stood one glorious moment? fringed and raised with fire which showed the inward graces of its shape uncumber now amidst its topmost boughs that young ambition's airy fancies made their giddy nest leaped sportive never clad by liberal summer in a pomp so rich as waited on its downfall while it took the storm-cloud rolled behind it for a curtain to gird its benders round and may the blast its minister to whirl its flashing shreds aloft towards heaven or to the startled depths of forests that afar might share its doom so shall the royalty of argos pass it in festal
5: blaze blazed darkness have ye spoken i speak no more to thee great jove look down shouts without what faction's brawl is this
0: disperse it soldiers shouting renewed as some of the soldiers are about to march phocion rushes in followed by ctesiphon ion and Medon.
1: whence is this insolent intrusion king i bear apollo's answer to thy prayer has not thy travel taught thy needs duty here we had schooled thee better kneel
4: to thee patience my son do homage to the king never thou talk'st of schooling no, adrastus that i have studied an ennobler school than the dull haunt of venal sophistry or the lewd guard-room o'er which ancient heaven extends its arch for all and mocks the span of palaces and dungeons where the heart in its free beatings neath the coarsest vest claims kindred with diviner things than power of kings can raise or stifle in the school of mighty nature where i learned to blush at sight like this Of thousands basely hushed before a man no mightier than themselves, save in the absence of that love that softens. Peace! Speak thy message. Shall I tell it here, or shall I seek thy couch at dead of night, and breathe it in low whispers, as thou wilt? Here, and this instant. Hearken then, Adrastus, and hearken Argives. Thus Apollo speaks. Reads a scroll. Argos ne'er shall find release, till her monarchs race shall cease tis not god's will but man's sedition speaks guards
1: tear that lying parchment
6: from his hands and bear him to the palace touch him not he is apollo's messenger whose lips were never stained with falsehood
5: come on all surround him friends die with him soldiers charge upon these rebels hew them down
0: on on the soldiers advance and surround the people they seize Phocion. Ion rushes from the back of the stage, and throws himself between Adastris and Phocion. Phocion to Adastris. Yet I defy thee. Ion to Phocion.
3: Friend, for sake of all, enrage him not. Wait, while I speak a word. To Adastris. My sovereign, I implore thee, do not stain this sacred place with blood. In heaven's great name I do conjure thee and in hers whose spirit is mourning for thee now
1: release the stripling let him go spread his treason where he will he is not worth my anger to the palace
3: nay yet an instant let my speech have power from heaven to move thee further thou hast heard the sentence of the god and thy heart owns it if thou wilt cast aside this cumbrous pomp and in seclusion purify thy soul, long fevered and sophisticate, the gods may give thee space for penitential thoughts. if not, as surely as thou standest here, wilt thou lie stiff and weltering in thy blood? The vision presses on me now, but
1: mad. Resign my state? Sue to the gods for life, the common life which every slave endures and meanly clings to? No. Within yon walls I shall resume the banquet, never more broken by man's intrusion. Counselors, farewell. Go mutter treason till
0: ye perish. Excellent Adastrus, Crithes, and soldiers left.
6: Ion stands apart, leaning on a pedestal. Tis sealed! let us withdraw and strive by sacrifice to pacify the gods medan Agenor, and councillors retire
0: they leave tassiphon phocion and ion ion still stands apart
7: as wrapt in meditation tis well the measure of his guilt is filled where shall we meet at sunset in the grove which
4: with its matted shade embrowns the veil between those buttresses of rock that guard the sacred mountain on its western side stands a rude altar overgrown with moss and stained with drippings of a million showers so old that no tradition names the power that hallowed it which we will consecrate anew to freedom and justice thither will i bring friends to meet thee shall we
7: speak to yon rapt youth pointing to Ion. his nature is too gentle at sunset we will meet with arms a knife one sacrificial knife will serve at sunset exit tassafon right fulcyon centre left
0: ion comes forward
3: o wretched man thy words have sealed thy doom why should i shiver at it when no way save this remains to break the ponderous cloud that hangs above my wretched country death a single death the common lot of all which it will not be mine to look upon and yet its ghastly shape dilates before me i cannot shut it out my thoughts grow rigid and as that grim and prostrate figure haunts them my sinews stiffen like it courage ion no spectral form is here all outward things wear their own familiar looks no dye pollutes them and yet the air has the scent of blood, and now it eddies with a hurtling sound, as if some weapon swiftly clove it. No, the falchion's course is silent as the grave that yawns before its victim. Gracious powers, if the great duty of my life be near, grant it may be to suffer, not to strike.
0: Excellent, right. End of Act Two.